Hi, everyone. I'm Josh. And I'm Jim. And this is The Dapper Meeple. This show is about our love of gaming, the games we play, and the gaming community around this passion. So pull up a chair, put on your Dapper Meeple hat, and join us at the table. Hey kids, remember, this is an adult podcast and may contain adult language. Also, Dapper Meeple hat, not required. It's every parent's favorite time of year again. That's right, school's back. Today we're going to catch up on all that we've been missing. Great conventions, board game adaptations, and really just do better. In games we play, we're going to be slaughtering the undead hordes in Zombicide. George Romero would be proud. And in our crowdfunding roundup, have you ever needed a drink after a bad roll? Hey, we got you, fam. All that and more on this episode of The Dapper Meeple. All right, everyone. School is back in session. Um, luckily, it's not just us. So everybody has had this first couple of weeks of getting back into this grind. Um, I have one child that is still surviving and going to school. I have one that graduated last year, and then the girlfriend is a high school teacher. So the first couple weeks of school around here, everyone's crazy. Nobody knows what in the hell's going on, and everybody's behind on everything. So we skipped a session. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's been crazy. Um, we we did better than last year though, where we took like the summer off. <laughs> so you know, baby steps, right? Uh, it's second year, better us. I, I don't really know. Yeah, there was but, something like that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, yeah, and with me about to start a new job, things have just been, yeah, it's been been hard. But uh, we uh, we're back. We got some stuff to talk about. Uh, a lot of uh, stuff going on right now. Uh, some stuff that we have kind of passed over because we were busy. Um, big thing that happened in the gaming world, PAX West out in Seattle. Right. Which is one that I really want to make it to one day. First of all, I love that area. Uh, I've been out to Seattle a couple of times well, on vacation and then on, uh, duty with the Navy sent out there, uh, for some training and stuff. And it's just, I love the area. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The, so PAX West is on my to-do list, but I really feel like if we're going to make it to Seattle, it should be for Emerald Con. Yeah. Emerald Comic Con in the spring is probably where we would go first but still i would love to be able to just take a trip out there um for whatever convention reason we go uh not a whole lot of board game news that i saw come out um because the other packs are more video game right um there was acquisitions incorporated show so if you watch that Make sure you catch up on that one because the next one could be at PAX Unplugged. We'll be there live. Yeah. Insert joke about finishing the third book. Um, All right. There we go. Uh, Yeah. I do hate losing Pat Rothfuss and Viari because they were like, he's a good, he's a good character. He's his comedic timing is excellent. But I got to (laughs) say like just the additions. I I like the new character. It looks like they kept a similar cast that they had the last show that they did. Yes. Yes. Same Um, cast as last time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm excited that it's still a good story. Um, I still love Jeremy Crawford as a DM. Um, I think just something about having the lead roles designer as your DM is fantastic, but just all in all, he also tells a really good story. That's right. That's right. And always remember kids that kissing your enemy during combat is considered a free action. Jeremy said so. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah um let's see that's that's the big news obviously we'll talk more about pax as that draws in closer to the beginning of december uh we do have a local con coming up in hampton comic-con right which um is always a fun one it's a one-day con 
I think I, I think it used to be two days, and then during COVID it went down to one. And I think we're still just a one day con over in Hampton, Virginia, which is across this massive <laughs> side quest of a bridge. Um, <laughs> if you live in the Hampton Roads area, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, come visit. Cross the bridge on a Friday afternoon. You yeah. will scream things that you didn't think you could say. Like, oh my god. Like this is, I think it's an experiment in road rage is really what it is. And the government is just conducting experiments and watching us lose our shit on this bridge is what it, that's what's going on. That's the only thing that makes sense. People cannot be this bad at crossing a bridge. Um, to be fair, it is a bridge tunnel. So those of you not from around here, <laughs> which is just a bridge and a negative bridge. If you think about it, right? Like one goes over, then one goes under the water. Like it's the same thing. It's the same thing. There's no reason to slow down to 25 miles an hour in the tunnel. I think it's a concept of people being nervous about going under the water, like in a car. I mean, it's not like you could like, it's not like an aquarium where it's like a glass dome or anything. Right. So they've got no reason. There's nothing for them to look at. What are you doing? You should be going faster because if it floods, you don't want to be down there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I really do think they missed the opportunity for aquarium rights, though. That's I'm just true, saying. That, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we got that coming up. We were hoping to get a table there or a booth. It doesn't look like that's going to work out. So what we need you to do is tell your friends because we need a bigger audience. And yeah, that's a lot on us and the social media side and we're working on it. But I think that's the biggest thing. The hindrance for us right now is the size of our audience is not big. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get there. Um, but maybe next year we'll try again. I think we're still on the wait list is what they keep telling us. So <laughs> I don't know how long this wait list is, but uh, yeah. There, that's where we are. I swear to God, I call and all I hear is, y'all can't sit here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's the, the big things going on in conventions. Um, I know that we have been doing uh, some social media, some tweets. Wizard of the Coast released their Spelljammer set, which a lot of us have been excited and waiting for for years. And they finally did it. And I was excited. I like there wasn't a whole lot of lore in the books. Um, they were kind of thin, but there was like an adventure. There was a booze menagerie, which is kind of a monster manual. And then kind of like the player's guide for the astral sea. Some people complained that there wasn't a lot of like meat in it. I liked it. Like, don't tell me a lot. Give me the basics. Let me build the rest of it around it. I'm cool with yeah, that. Yeah. But they revived some old races and brought them back. Um, I was really excited about the gif. Uh, they are hippo people that really like guns. Uh, yeah, uh, you know. The the plasmoids, which is basically an ooze that can take the shape of a humanoid. Um, I have this fantastic idea for a plasmoid monk, especially now with the change to the grappling rules and the bonuses that they get to grappling. Like, I'm just going to wrap people up and let the rest of the party beat them to death. That's been the plan. It's going to be great. <laughs> Um, but one of the old races that they brought back was the Hodozi. And if you look at the Hodozi, they're best described as ape-like creatures with like folds of skin underneath their arms that allow them to glide. The mechanics on them are fantastic. Yeah. Like for every foot, they like they can climb. And then for every foot they go up, they move five feet in a glide. Yeah. Right. Really cool mechanic. Uh, the first time through, I didn't really read the lore. And then I went back and looked over it. And the Hodozi lore, which is new. Hadozi, not new. They were released back in um, second edition. Yeah. Then they decided to add lore to the monkey people. And the lore was that they were created by a wizard to make an army of slaves. And his good wizard 
apprentices decided to free them, and now they work as, in bold print, deck apes. Um, and they really like the space elves, but the space elves really don't like them. It's like every bad trope of colonization that we could have thought about, and it's been discussed over and over and over again. Yeah. And Wizards of the Coast is like, wow, we really screwed that one up. We're like, yeah, you did. What are you doing over there? Like, do better. Yeah, there. Uh, obviously, you can find countless numbers of videos that go into this deeper if you want to dive down that rabbit hole. Right. There have been enough people talking about that. And a lot of great, like, POC creators that are like, yeah. hey, this really bothered me. And those are the people that when they speak up, if we're going to be inclusive, then, then we go, okay. Yeah, those are I'm the people listening. that whose opinions matter the most on this. Yes. Because, again, as we've discussed, we're two white dudes. Um, yeah, uh, this is not, yeah. They are the ones who matter when it comes to topics like this. And when they say, hey, this bothers us, it should be noted, hey, we should not do that. Right. Um, but that being said, again, if you want more on that, you can find more on that. I, I think part of the problem comes with this is that Wizards has publicly devoted themselves to having like sensitivity readers and doing a better job when it comes to things like this. And let's be honest, they really missed the mark with this one. Oh, this is yeah. There's there's no defending this whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. I, there has been there have been things in the past that were uh, they were questionable. I mean, you could probably say eh, it depends on the way you look at that. Not this thing. Yeah, this is this is not one of those things. And I feel like you have anybody hired as a sensitivity reader who reads this should immediately throw up red flags. If it doesn't, they probably should not be your sensitivity readers. Right. And like I said, there's a whole discussion around this. Of like, what are they doing over there? Because they have had accusations in the past that they only hire POC creators as freelance and then they don't pay them as much as they do white creators. Um, there have been talks about how you know, s stories and things that are submitted from uh, persons of color just don't get the same respect. Um, even one of them that was completely changed um, yeah. in one of the um, anthology books that came out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, so uh, as much as Wizards tries with their their forward facing initiatives that they do, like changing how we create characters to make them more inclusive, changing how you build and what bonuses you get to a character, removing that from the racial component, like for all the stuff that they're trying to do to miss the mark so much on stuff like this in the real world um, is really disappointing. And yeah. And for those that are speaking out against it, like I'm not, like I'm not taking it personally. Like I, this is a game that anybody who listens to this podcast knows that we love. Yeah, you know, we have told fantastic stories that people have enjoyed, and I mean, and I, I think we've discovered that with our learn to play games, like the system is easy to get people into, and yeah. that's what we love about it the most. And if we have to divorce that from the company, like. I guess so be it uh, in whatever way we can. Because uh, in re reality, our allegiance lies to the system itself. Yeah. And if we have to build off of that in another way, I, I just, it's unfortunate because there's so much potential, like with this company. The platform that they have now is massive and growing. Yeah. And it, it's, there's such an opportunity to be inclusive, to, um, really, like bridge these gaps that have been there for ages, 
and draw people into a fantastic hobby that many people would not like interact with otherwise. And to obviously part of it comes down to, we, we obviously don't know the inner workings of wizards of the coast, you know, or Hasbro for that matter. We don't know how many eyes were on this thing. We don't know what kind of sensitivity reading or editing that it went through beforehand. Right. Because we aren't there. But the fact remains that like you can't let stuff like this get through when you're as big a company and as big a voice as they are. Absolutely. Like that's just that's what it, I think that's the bottom line is with as much of the game space, just as much of the space that they're taking up in this community, there's a responsibility that they have to do it right. Yeah. Now, I, they are also suing the pants off of TSR LLC again. Um, trying to stop their new uh, Star Frontiers from coming out. Yeah. Because the content in... The, first of all, they're like, well, we don't want to be associated with these guys. One. Two, we bought all of the TSR stuff. That logo belongs to us. You don't get to use it. Yeah. We don't want to be associated with this because there's a lot of anti-trans and racist content in the game. Like, it is yeah. It is coded into the new game of Star Frontiers or whatever they're calling it. Um, so... Just do better. Just Wizards of the Coast, do better. Yeah, there there are people, content creators out there calling for people of the company to be fired. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know that that's the answer. Like, <laughs> it's I, one of those things that where if you're the captain of the ship, the ship runs into an iceberg. You're like, I think there's some responsibility there. No, I I do agree. I think there needs to be responsibility, but I don't know that taking away someone's livelihood. Is the answer? I, I I don't I don't know what the answer is. I mean, I'm not. I'll just be honest. I don't know what the answer is, but I do think there needs to be some sort of accountability and responsibility in in those regards. Yes, um, I think one of the big things that people can do is that if you enjoy D and D and you are on the fence about using their products. Um, if you go into like Kickstarter and GameFound and stuff like that, um, and even just kind of poking around online, and it's something that we're going to do some investigating on, and finding a list of POC creators that are creating stuff to play D anD D, go go and find them. Make use of that. There's tons. If you there is a D anD D side to TikTok um, that has a lot. There's a lot of drama there. There's always drama there. Um, avoid freckled hobo at all costs, but there are a lot of great creators. There's a lot of great POC creators. There's a lot of great creators that are echoing what people are saying. Go find them and support them where you can. You know, we've talked about it for a long time. This is our community. We make it what it is. And while Wizards of the Coast does take up a huge chunk of that, it's on us to make sure that they're doing it right. And when they're not, it's on us to punish them for it. So yeah. find small creators. Yeah, there are a lot of 5e supplements mm-hmm. out there that are not official Wizards of the Coast, um, but are there are a lot of fantastic ones out there. Basically, homebrew material. Yeah, and we always recommend homebrew be used, you know, with caution. But at the same time, like there's <laughs> a lot of fantastic stuff out there. Some of y'all need to learn game balance. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, there's so so many good things, and like like we said, we we love the game for what it is and the stories you can create within it. 
um, the memories that you make with the people around the table are second to none. Yeah. And I mean, we are continue to uncover that with these learn to play games that we're doing and running. Um, I just, I love that moment when a person, a player actually begins to figure out who their character is. Yeah. You know, those are the types of things that, that I enjoy the game for. Again, do better. Wizards of the Coast. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So now that uh, that's the real news portion, maybe. I was reading this article and it was the top 10 board games, which were adaptations from video games. Now, I haven't played a lot of these. Like, yeah. uh, we did Lord of the Rings, which that board game, that one with the component to it, the uh, the app component was really cool. Yeah. And it felt a lot like it was adapted from one of the video games, yeah. right? Because it is a campaign. Yeah. When you when you start it and play through it, um it's it's not a legacy game, is it? No. No. But it does you do play and your character grows and there's a next session and there's a next scene and there's a next adventure, so you kind of work your way through it. That was one that I really liked, and it felt like it was adapted from a video game. Uh, this was written back in 2021, uh, and it was kind of the most updated one that I had found over on Dicebreaker. And here's their top 10 list of video game board games. Uh, Sid Meier's Civilization, A New Dawn. So all old PC players all know Sid Meier's Civilization, right? Mm-hmm. Like that was kind of uh, that was a bread and butter for a long time. Um, so they turned it into an actual board game, which I could totally see that. Yeah. Right. Like converting that, over. That almost looks like a board. To right. Play it. Right. Uh, number two that they had up doom, the board game. So again, old time PC players that were into Wolfenstein, like doom was like one of the big first person shooters. Right. Right. And it's actually had a revival too. Funny enough. Yeah. Um, with some of the new games coming out and with the implements onto the switch, um, that one looks really cool. I know I haven't got a chance to play that one, but, um, it looks like it's kind of like a heads up game where some people play as the Marines and some people play as the demons. Yeah. 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 So, uh, fallout was the next one, which the fallout franchise is, I want to say it's incredibly famous, but I feel like with anything that's happened in the last five years, there's all this kind of like drama over if it was good or not. Like it seems to me that anytime anything new is made, Video games, TV, um, movies, anything, you get a whole lot of people that immediately stand up and go, this sucks. So I think Fallout is definitely no exception to that. Um, they've had a rough time, but the idea of Fallout is living in that post-apocalyptic yeah. kind of time frame, uh, you know, where your money is bottle caps. Yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, the minis for it look fantastic. Uh, there's a Brotherhood of Steel. Looks like there's a mutant in there. There's a Volt Wanderer with a shotgun. Um, oh, there's even a ghoul in there. So, I mean, it kind of, it, it looks like it's kind of covering, like, the expanse of Fallout. Yeah. That one looks like a lot of fun. But, man, the playtime on it. So, I, I've i heard more negative than positive on Fallout. I haven't played it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I did hear that the ending of the game was kind of lackluster. Because it plays, like... Like, you have to play with the other players. Like, you have to work with them, but it's also not a cooperative game. Interesting. Yeah. So, I, I, and from what I've heard, I don't think they quite got that dynamic right. So, um, but still, 
uh, if nothing else for the IP, I think it's fantastic. Uh, Resident Evil 2, which is, I've not played that one. Um, I might have seen that one. It's got kind of, I don't know. The box looks familiar to me, but I haven't got a chance to play that one. Uh, number five was XCOM. Uh, XCOM has been around a lot longer than I was aware of. It was originally like a PC type scroller game. Um, and it's all about like repelling an alien invasion. They turned that into a board game, which again, for those of us that like themed board games, that just sounds like it's already ready to be a board game. Um, incredibly popular. And I think I've heard, a, I've heard a lot of good stuff about this one from the board game. Perspective. So this one was designed by Eric Lang. And that'll do it. Um, so the same one who did Blood Rage, Rising Sun, um, Ankh. Honk. Yeah. So uh, that's one of the reasons for its kind of initial fame. Um, but also, I've heard a lot of good things about the game in general. Um, so it's kind of more of a, like you're commanding the the forces of XCOM, but not like a, it's an individual soldier type command, more like a global type command. Which, right, more strategic. Yeah, yeah, which I think is fantastic. So, uh, This one I hadn't heard of, This War of Mine. So have you played the video game for this? No. Okay, so This War of Mine, if you don't know, is like a super gritty... Um, like you are civilians living in this like war torn city in the middle of a war and you are trying to just survive. Right. So you have like limited resources. You have to send your, you don't have to, but you send one of your survivors out at night to like try and raid another like building or settlement or something like that, or go to like a market and try to get, like both steal or barter for whatever goods you can. Like, yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. I, I played the game a little bit, um, until like, I was like, I don't know, 20 days in or something ridiculous. And my survivor got killed because <laughs> I, it was something stupid. And I was like, this, this pits me off. <laughs> you um, just died of dysentery. What? <laughs> it's not quite that bad. He got shot, but I don't remember. I don't remember what happened. I think I accidentally like went to the wrong place or something and the guy was angry and shot me. Um, but anyway, it's very gritty. It's very, um, it's an interesting concept. I didn't know there was a board game about it. Um, but I imagine it probably is pretty similar. Right. Um, but yeah, so uh, I think this one has potential. Uh, I haven't read a whole lot about it, but I know that kind of, that type of game can lend itself to a pretty good, board game because it's like a survival not really horror but more like just straight survival type game right uh the next one up is uh (laughs) portal the uncooperative cake acquisition game so apparently this is a and and i've heard this the cake is a lie is something that comes out of portal um i haven't played portal in a really long time but i remember getting through the beginning of it where you start in the game and the only thing that you have is a portal gun and it makes a portal, and you kind of learn how to use it. Um, and this is supposed to be like a semi-cooperative. It's not a cooperative game, but you kind of get, you kind of eventually end up in the same mindset because you're all trying to get the same cake. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that one looks like a lot of fun. Uh, the Witcher adventure game, which, all right, I mean everybody, like everybody's been in love with The Witcher for a couple of years now. Yeah, uh, and especially with the new series and stuff like that. That. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, this one looks interesting. I know they had the RPG that came out too. Um, I think right around the same time that this did. Was that was that one from uh, Modiphius? Because they've done 
all of I the... I think so. Yeah. That I don't... seems like a game they would publish. Uh, it seems right up there. Right up there, Allie. Uh, number nine, Street Fighter, the deck building game. Yeah, so I think we saw this one actually at uh, the first packs we went to. Yeah. Um, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but also they just came out, which this list doesn't talk about because it's from last year. Uh, they came out with the uh, Street Fighter uh, miniatures game as well. Right, right. I've seen that one, which <coughs> like I remember Street Fighter when I was a kid and we lived in Suttles Trailer Park. And I'd go down to the Suttles Puddle Pool on my own all the time. And they had Street Fighter. And the big thing was who was cool enough to, like, beat Street Fighter. Yeah. So uh, I got pretty close. I, I played Chun-Li a lot. I mean, so That was my thing. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> if you know, you know. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I've heard pretty good things about this. There have been a lot of really cool deck builders that have come out based on, um, I, like, popular IPs. Yeah. There's, like, a Power Rangers one now. I saw a Transformers one the other day. Like we were up in Atlantis and I saw a couple of them. I saw the Power Rangers one and like there was a lot of like it was the there and they had a lot of expansions already out for it too. Yeah, like I'm a sucker for a good deck builder because I mean, like I love uh, Marvel Champions. It's one of one of my favorite card games. Right. But I mean, yeah, like there's a lot of cool, interesting IPs out there now that have their own deck building game. The last one on the list is Betrayal at Baldur's Gate, which is kind of a mix of Betrayal at House on the Hill. Yeah, it's it's a reskin. Let's, it's a reskin. Let's okay. be honest. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. But it's set in Baldur's Gate, the actual uh, the video game IP. So Baldur's Gate is famously a city on um, the Sword Coast in Faroon, which is a D and D setting. It's been kind of like the centerpiece of a lot of stories and material and game material, and uh, they did what three games on it? It was two games. Uh. Two games, I think it was a mobile as well. I played through the first one and the second one. The new one is still like in pre-release mode. That's right, Baldur's Gate three. That's yeah. one. Oh, I look. I it's, want to. It's play. out, but it's not out. Uh, it's. I don't know. The Swedes weird, got their hands on it. It's weird. Getting weird. Right yeah. yeah. I don't know who's working this. Yeah, the only thing this game does really well is it fixes some of the broken haunts from Betrayal at House on the Hill. Yeah. Because, um, so if you don't know how that game works, uh, it's basically. It's a cooperative game that somewhere in the middle of the game, it becomes not cooperative. Um, so you are exploring this house and then there is a trigger that happens, whatever it is. It, it could be a multiple of different things. And then all of a sudden, some of or one of the players is either possessed or they are now playing against the party's interests. Nice. Right. And what you normally do is. The player who was playing against gets one gets a copy of this other book called the Haunt Book, and they take it in another room and they read what their new objective is, and then the party gets their objective now for whatever it is, and then they are actively working towards like whatever their objectives are, which are obviously always at odds, right? Because um, usually, usually the player who gets possessed or whatever their objective becomes like kill the party, so <laughs> it's very similar in this. Um, but there are some very specifically and very, very well known. The the house on the hill version has some of the haunts are broken. Like the, when when the trigger happens, like uh, sometimes whatever the objectives are, they just can't be completed. Got it. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. Um, now personally, I have uh, Scooby Doo Betrayal at Mystery Mansion. So which is I think a better version anyway because it's Scooby Doo. No matter how much I love D&D, &D, it's Scooby-Doo. Right, right. Um, 
but yeah, so but still, uh, great game. I'm glad they implemented like the Baldur's Gate because there is a lot of fantasy elements in it, including like where the hunts come from and like the items and the building and stuff like that. All very very well like rounded fantasy Baldur's Gate themes. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know there there are more out there. Um, and it's becoming more popular to kind of draw on these older IPs. Mm -hmm. I think they kind of used to be looked at kind of how like video games that came from movies or yeah, (laughs) or movies that came from video games. Yeah. were always like B rated at best. Yeah. Like that crossover was just hard to do. Mm -hmm. I think it was kind of considered that same way for board games a lot of times. Right. Um, that it was, it was scary to go off of popular IPs just for whatever reason, whether it was trying to live up to the name or trying to capture whatever that was. But I think they've gotten a lot better of it. I mean, you brought up Lord of the Rings journeys in middle earth from at the beginning. And I mean, that game is fantastic and it feels like Lord of the Rings. Right. I I think a lot of it is like when you try to make something off of a popular IP, you're, trying to tap into something that the audience loved and it's hard to know exactly what that was like was it the nostalgia yeah. was it you know i watched this movie with my dad that's why it's the greatest thing ever you know there's yeah, so much yeah. stuff that it can be and i think the designers now are trying they're trying less to find what that magic was and just find something that works and that's good and then yeah. let it run because i i will say some it kind of feels like originally some of the the older ones are like this is a different game with a theme tacked on. Exactly. Kind of like what Betrayal at Baldur's Gate is. Right. I was going to um, say. But now we're getting games. And to be honest, we're getting games that do not have the IP, but have that feel. <laughs> Looking at you, Nemesis. I was going to uh, say. I mean, let's let's all be honest here. Nemesis is Alien, the board game. Before if, Alien, the board game. Yeah. Like, yeah. if they would have had the rights to Alien, like, yeah, you're talking 100%. Because, I mean... Then you have a Predator expansion. Like, I'm just saying, I, I think they they missed the opportunity by spending the cash to get the. But of course, I can only imagine what that IP would cost. So, well, then that I mean, they, then they came out with an Aliens board game. Like, what was it like six months later? Yeah, and but I don't think it's as good. It's not. Um, That's another example of they were using the IP, hoping that would be enough to carry it. Yeah, and as I think now too, the the game design space has opened up so much, right? I mean, look at how many thousands of board games come out every year and how many of them are different. Like they are new concepts. They're things that we haven't seen before, um, not just in theme, but in like practice. Yeah. Like we're not using the same game mechanics over and over. There are some that carry over. Sure. You know, deck building, stuff like that. But in a majority, the games feel different. Exactly. Yeah. Look at, I mean, some of the stuff that we've had our hands on, Moonrakers, um, Cult of the Deep, where they're, the elements are there that we've seen time and time again, but they're just done better and they're mixed with something else. They're giving you a new experience. Yeah. I mean, we're up to, with expansions, over 100 games in our collection. Yeah. Easy. So, and there are very few of them that I would group together and be like, these all share the same Right. Like feel. Obviously, my wife's collection of Ticket to Ride games would all be put together. Yeah, but, that's a block. That's yeah, a block. yeah. But I mean, for the most part, they are they feel different and they're it's a different experience when they come to the table. And I, I think in the coming years, we'll see more of this like video game adapted to board game. 
Because, I mean, you look at stuff like um, some of the popular, like, roguelike games now that are out, like Hades and Slay the Spire, things like that. Like, that's a feel that you can produce in a board game pretty easily through deck building. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I I think we'll see a lot more of these, like, popular titles being come over. I know Horizon Zero Dawn has a game that just came out recently. I haven't touched that one yet, but that game looks so beautiful. I haven't got to play that game because I don't have a PlayStation yeah <laughs> that's that's a different conversation yeah. but um i i think it's fantastic to see some of these ips getting the board game treatment and getting it done well yeah like that's the important part all right so that's what we've been up to for the last month um if you've got some games that you love that are adapted from board games or even tvs and movies that you love to play we would love to hear about them so shoot us a message you guys have our contact information and we'll hope to hear from you Next up on Games We Play, Zombicide. Zombicide 2nd Edition. Designed by Raphael Gution, Jean-Baptiste Lelouin, and Nicholas Rolt. With art by Edward Gution, Thierry Mason, and Eric Knott. Published by Simon Global Limited Games. Zombicide is a game that has taken the world by storm and has a devout cult-like following. With this new version, the rules have been streamlined, new elements have been added, and the zombies just keep coming. In Zombicide 2nd Edition, you play as the survivors in one of several scenarios trying to outwit or outgun the undead hordes plaguing the streets. In this modern setting adaptation, you will have to complete your objectives as a team using what powers, bonuses, and weapons you have, and then escape from the board. The survivors in this version include those from the original game, as well as introducing kid survivors that have fewer hit points, but have the ability to slip through groups of zombies. In the end, how well you use your resources, along with some luck in which zombie spawn cards are drawn, will determine your fate. So I got this game after we had already backed the Marvel Zombies Kickstarter. You had Zombicide Black Plague. Yes. And we had played that a couple times. Fantastic game. A lot of fun. Medieval setting. Um, Zombicide games all kind of follow the same basic uh, play where it's your survivors, you have goals you need to achieve, and there are zombies, right? Yeah. Like, they don't bury anything in the name. <laughs> yeah, you start off as trying to survive, and by, like, the midpoint in the game, you really become, like, zombie slayers. Um as you begin to find new weapons and get upgraded and get more powerful, all that sort of good stuff. Um, there are a lot of versions. There are. There's there's a zombie side for everybody. I'm really beginning <laughs> to believe that, right? So you've got your classic zombie side, which was the season one, the prison outbreak, and the Rue Morgue. Um, then they expanded off of that. And there's, if you like fantasy, there is either the Black Plague or the Green Horde. Right. Uh, sci-fi. There's a Invader or Dark Side. Right. Um, those two are kind of sci-fi version. Uh, then you get into like modern era where you have the Night of the Living Dead version. Right. Based off of George Romero's uh, classic film, which kind of spawned the whole zombie genre to begin with. Yeah. Um, so if, if you're a classic horror fan, you've got something there. Yep. Um, and then uh, the one that we're actually going to talk about today is Zombie Side 2nd Edition. Right. There are a couple that 
are well, one of them is just now starting to get to backers. Um, that is Undead or Alive, which is like a Western version. Right. I'm kind of interested in getting my hands on that one too. You know, because I need more zombies in my life, apparently. Um, and I say that before the 20 or so boxes that are going to be Marvel Zombies shows up. Yeah. So, uh, obviously, we've we've talked about Marvel Zombies to no end. If you are following the Kickstarter updates, though, they just put out one this weekend about the unboxing of the core box. The update right before that was the unboxing of the giant... Um, Galacticus? Yeah. His the statue with that that box itself is massive. The statue oh. looks fantastic. Yeah, I'm excited. I can't wait. Right, July next year. That's what they're saying. So Hopefully. we get that. We'll have a lot of zombies on the table. But we broke out Zombie Side Second Edition, and we'd been playing it for a couple of weeks um, with a couple of different groups. Yep. Some non board game new type players. Uh, what we brought around the table. Uh, we were ha- going to run one of our learn to play D and D sessions, and everybody canceled at the last minute except yeah. for like one person, uh, which is it's typical. Like that's yeah, uh, that's D and D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The biggest opponents you ever have in D and D is schedules and doors. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so we broke it out and we started playing it, and I got a lot of feedback on it from people. Like the uh, the girlfriend was like, you know, I keep seeing this box, and I really was not interested like, in playing it, but this game is so much fun. Yeah, um, it's kind. Of, I think it is kind of deceptive, um, and it looks. I think it looks more complicated than what it really is. Um, There's a lot of pieces in the box. I think that scares a lot of people off. Yeah, I. I mean, but as we found out, you need all the miniatures that you have, and you could probably use some more. But dims the rules, right? Um, uh, this was one of them that. I, uh, who is running it now? It's not Come On anymore. Or is it a subsidiary of Kamon? I'm not sure exactly. No, they they still technically do the publishing on it. I think it's always been Guillotine Games. Yes, that's what, yeah. Uh, was Is the actual designers of it. Um, but yeah, after the initial success for the first one, um, yeah, Kamon's definitely held their hands on that one. Good, um, good call, guys. But frankly, the miniature quality you get from them is what you want. So, like, it, it's right up their alley. Like, they do good miniatures. This is a majority miniatures game. Yeah. It fits. It yeah. fits. Uh, but, I mean, the gameplay on it's fantastic. I think it kind of, it gives you that feel of accomplishment because you start out kind of slow as as um, the player characters. And you can't really do a whole lot. Like, your starting items are kind of shit. Like, right. There's, there's a lot to discover. Um, I do like, the one thing this version does better than Black Plague is, is the access to like the cooler weapons? Uh, kind the, of, yeah. I know that in second edition, in the core box set, there are no weapons that can kill an abomination, and we'll talk about how that works here in a minute. Yeah, but there are well, there are no weapons on the face <laughs> because technically, with the plus one damage upgrades you can get by certain characters, you can kill abominations with those. Okay, yeah, but. Still, uh, at face value, there is no weapon. It was the same thing with Black Plague, but there were so let's let's kind of break all this down real quick. In Black Plague, there is a room called the Vault. It's in in every single mission you set it up. The Vault contains one of two items from the original game. Now, if you get some of the expansion, like uh, Wolfsburg or uh, one of the um, like secondary sets that have like the artists that came in, you can get more of the vault weapons. But originally in the base game, it only was two vault weapons. Second edition comes with what's called pimp crates. 
and there are pimp crates all over the maps and you these pimp crates have like the upgraded weapons in them so uh, automatically i think that's cooler access to cooler weapons are better i know you had really like garbage draws like when you were searching well, we were playing that stuff. one yeah um but i i still i like the access to cooler weapons because it makes it makes the game more fun that was the one thing that i really felt was different also the abilities and stuff they've really kind of like they really kind of honed them and made them better and built characters that didn't seem to be kind of random in the abilities they got, but really you could, you could see they were much more focused. Yeah. 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 Zombie side second edition also takes the original survivors from the first zombie side. You have six of those and add six more survivors, which are kids. Yeah. The kids were fantastic. Right. So you have one less health than the other survivors because I mean, you're a kid. But it, they, you do get the special ability where you can, like, slip out of areas that are, like, full of zombies. That's right. Because traditionally, if a zombie is in the same square as you, it costs you... An extra action for each zombie in the square. Right. And so you, it's possible for you to be trapped in a square where you can't move because you don't have enough actions. Right. Right. Yeah. Unless you have... I think it's called Slippery. Yeah, that Slippery's like, the, yeah, yeah. the feet. Yeah. So then you can you can actually get out of it regardless of how many zombies are there. Right. So all the kids start out with that. Yeah. Which is, I mean, can be really kind of nice. They, it still only costs them one action to move out of that block. Yeah. So they can slip through them or between them and stuff, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, I really like that. Um, let's get into talking about the game. So we're going to talk today about second edition. Now, second edition comes in the core box set. There is also two expansions for it. Washington ZC. And Fort, Fort Hendricks. There are also um, little mini, like, kind of like add-ons, tiny expansions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's a uh, there's a couple of packs of like the boys expansion where you can you could play Zombie Side as the Seven yeah. if you're familiar with the boys comic book and the show on Prime, um, or you can play as Butcher's Guys. Yeah. So the actual the boys. Um, there's Ghostbusters. There's a Ghostbusters expansion. There's you, two of them where you can get an abomination. Uh, Stay Puff. Yeah, Stay Puff Marshmallow Band, which I think is fantastic. There's a um, uh, there's one I, f- I actually found and I didn't buy it because uh, I was being <laughs> responsible. Um, that is uh, like modern, uh, like uh, like I like what am I thinking? Like cryptids and stuff. Like modern, like myths. That would be cool. I haven't seen that one yet. Yeah, yeah. It was just it was some add-ons for uh, basically abominations. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there were some survive, and they had a survivor pack too because they did make a zombie side RPG. Um, and those people from that game can be brought into the actual board game and played as well as your choice of uh your survivor. I do. I will say there. Um, before we dive into the game, there is a ton of expansion content for this. So the base like setup of Zombicide, you have a mission that you play. Right. And it tells you the tiles, which are double-sided tiles for the game board. They tell you how to set them up, what layout, all that sort of stuff. Uh, there have been a lot of stuff that they have put out online, they being guillotine games, like additional content for second edition. Right. Um, and they've even done a lot of stuff for Black Plague, too. So that's out there as well. To, like whatever your flavor is, they're doing it. Um, so a lot of cool, like additional missions. There's a whole campaign to play through, right? Um, that you do the whole missions in order type thing. Um, I know they run like, uh, not contests, but just like general challenges and stuff that 
help to kind of ramp up the difficulty of certain like of the different games and things like that. So there's a lot of really cool, like not out or out of the box stuff that you can get. Right. That's one of the things that I really liked what's going back on the website and looking is that they're still they're still supporting. There's still there's a lot of stuff that is still coming out for it, um, which we'll talk about. We get into replayability. We have to talk about. Um, But yeah, like they're this game is way more than what you get in the box. Yeah, which just they to start ought to with, with as much money as they just made off Marvel Zombies. Right? <clears throat> anyway. Uh, <laughs> while you're bullshitting, the base game on this Zombie Side 2nd Edition runs, um, I want to say that uh, MSRP, and let me look this up, because I think I paid just under 100 bucks for it. It's usually right around there, I think. Yeah, not, yeah. Yeah, for so just the base box, which gives you a lot, um, runs about a hundred bucks. That's what you're looking at paying. You may get it. You may be able to find it for like eighty or something, um, but then you're gonna add shipping and stuff onto that as well. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the expansions run at about forty. So Washington ZC and Hit Fort Hendrix. Yeah, um, the big not, boxes. Yeah. So we're not gonna talk much about those. We're gonna focus really on the game. Um, so when you pull this box out, here's what you get. You get the your rule book. You get uh, cards for each of your survivors, so a dozen cards. You get a mini for each of your survivors, which is really cool. And then the base, uh, a base to put on them, like a colored, different colored base, which matches the color pins you're using um, in your survivor board that you get. Um, And that's how you keep track of your loot, keep track of your health points, keep track of what you've unlocked as a character uh, through your adrenaline points, or it's basically like their leveling system. Uh, then you get the boards, which are double-sided and numbered, so you can put them where they need to go when you're building the scenarios. Uh, and then you get lots and lots of zombie minis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it all fits together real well. It's an impressive build. So what you do in the game is, one, you find your mission, right? And I think there's like 25 of them in the book. And they tell you like what their difficulty is. They tell you how many tiles to use. Some of them are smaller. Some of them may only use like four tiles where some of them will use more like eight and really expand out. Um, And then they'll give you like their difficulty, if they're medium or hard. And you set up and you read the objectives. Uh, Now, the one that we played a couple times was kind of just the first mission. Um, It's a very large board. We played it. uh, Survivors start just in the middle of the board in a building. Um, It was very much the standard, like the standard setup, standard... Like, you got to go get these objectives and make it to the exit. That's right. So Every, there are much more complicated ones in there, but this, especially since we were playing with people who never played before, this is very standard, straight up. Right. One of the big things was everybody had to escape. Everybody had to have an objective. Yep. And we had to have like three provisions between us. Yeah. Yep. Right. Um, which uh, it can get a little crazy. So e- each character plays a little bit differently, too. And I really like that. I'm always a big fan of like the asymmetric powers. Uh, some characters can like search multiple times. Some characters get a free search to start with. Mm-hmm. Some characters get a free move to start with. And as you kill more zombies or you c- collect objectives, you get AP, which is the adrenaline points. Yeah, which are basically experience. Right. They let you level up to the next like level, which lets you unlock more abilities. The thing is, though, as 
a player or as the players get a higher level, it changes the way that the zombies spawn. Right. And more of them spawn or different things happen when they spawn based on the highest level of any of the players. Right. So on your character board across the bottom, you have a scale, a sliding scale that lets you keep track of your adrenaline points. And it's divided into different colors. It goes blue, yellow, orange, and red. And the first person to cross into the next level means that the next spawn that happens is going to spawn at a higher level. So let's talk about zombie spawns because the game works in turns. Uh, the survivors get to go. Yep. Everybody gets to make their turn. You have uh, start out with three actions. Yep. And you can search. You can move. Some of them have a special ability that they can move multiple places. Yep. Um, one of them that we found had a charge ability. Yeah. That you can move up to two squares as long as you ended in front of zombies, uh, which was interesting. Yep. You can make attacks. You can try to open doors. Uh, you can just make noise. And there's a bunch of different actions you can do. Right. Um, but everyone gets three actions um, until you begin to get higher levels. Yeah. And then after everyone is gone, then the zombies get to go. So the first thing you get is activation. So... Most of the zombies get one activation. They either like move one space closer to the survivors or they will attack any survivors in their square. Right. Um, some of the zombies do get two activations, meaning they can move twice or move an attack or attack twice. Right. Even, which that sucks real bad. Because <laughs> um, remember, your max hit point's only three. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then with some of the upgrades from like black plague, you even have minions that get three activations. Right. Um, stupid wolves. In second edition, there are four different types of zombies. You've got your, your walkers. walkers. You've yep. got your runners, which yep. are walkers that move faster. They get two activations. Yep. You've got what they call fatties, which are bloated, uh, yeah. huge zombies that, will soak up more damage. Yeah. And then you've got the abominations, which are m incredibly hard to kill. Almost impossible. Yeah. Um, save your Molotov cocktails, kids. Yeah. Um, and they, there are four different kinds of abominations and they all play a little bit differently. Yeah. If you use the abomination rules, so right. there are, there is just like base straight up. This is an abomination. There are, then there are specific abomination rules for the individual ones. If you want to play that way. Right. Um, which, just so you know, you replace the one abomination cards with the other ones. Don't put all eight of them in the deck or else you'll end up with too many abominations. Yep. Learn that the hard way. Yep. Yep. Uh, Always yeah. read the rules, kids. Yep. It was like, oops, all abominations. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the four types of zombies, they it requires different damage to kill them. Uh, one of the things Zombie Side does interestingly is their kill order. Yes. Um, if you have multiple types of zombies in a square and you like are taking a ranged attack into that square, certain zombies will die before other zombies, which means it makes it harder to kill like some of them. Yes. So like a, abominations and fatties take damage first. So they, they really are bullet sponges. That's like, exactly that's kind of. Yeah. And uh, remember that you're spawning zombies on every turn. Yeah. And it may be like, there could be a lot of zombies. Yeah. There's anywhere from like two to four spawn zones that need to be done every turn. And every time you open a building, every room in that building. Only the dark rooms in second edition. Okay. I'd, we did you go back and clarify that. You see all, there are rooms that are lit and rooms that are dark. The dark room spawn zombies. Okay. So that may be one of the reasons we had the huge hordes chasing us that we did when we played the first time. Whatever. We still almost won. Yeah. We got um, real close. <laughs> 
yeah, it was some some unlucky pulls at the end. Um, but yeah, all in all, it's a fantastic game. Uh, there is so much to this game. Yeah, and it's not it's not heavy, especially if you have somebody who has played before and kind of knows the flow of the game and knows the rule and can kind of control, especially the zombie turn. Yes, that's the that's the part where you really need some experience. But other than that, I mean. Yeah, it's it's very like beginner friendly. It is. It really is. Um and it's just what it like it's just what it sounds like. It is a zombie survival game. You are working together m- most of the time. I think there are some objectives where uh if you lose a person it doesn't end the game, but for the most part, you know, you're trying to get everyone out. Um you will end up with hordes of zombies on the board. It's almost it's almost a guarantee, and it really wouldn't be a zombie game if you didn't. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you kind of learn how to deal with those and deal with that kill order and then uh, deal with the weapons because your weapons do a set amount of damage. Um, and if you don't do enough damage to kill a zombie, like walkers and runners take one point of damage and they're down. Fatties take two and abominations take three. If you can yeah. only do one point of damage per hit, you can't ever kill a fatty. Right. Or an abomination. You have to be able to do the damage because the way the game explains it is they heal immediately kind of thing. Um, So just a lot of stuff to think about, but it's not difficult. Um, You kind of learn what you can and can't do with your turn and you're pretty much set. Like you're pretty set to go. We like I said, we have played it several times and we've put a couple of different groups through it and groups that people that have never played serious board games before. Um, and everybody's had a blast with it. Just it's been fantastic. You get the close calls. There's some dice rolling in there for the attacks. Um, it all kind of comes together. Uh, so let's talk about let's score this. Like we said, it runs uh, it runs about a hundred but bu- a hundred bucks for the base set. Yep. And I feel like that's worth it. Um, yeah. I, any miniatures game with the amount of miniatures that are in here. Because, I mean, you have, obviously you have the different types of zombies, but each of the individual zombies, there's like three or four different sculpts of them as well. Exactly. You're not just, all walkers do not look alike. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, honestly, with the amount of plastic that's in it, that's not bad. I think, honestly, I bought Black Plague, Jesus, six years ago now. Right. Um, and I think it was still around that same price. It might have been closer to like 80, 90, but like to only have gone up that little bit after the crazy amount of inflation and stuff we've seen over the past few years. Like that's not bad. Yeah. Right. Um, so, but as far as pricing, I I think it's every bit worth it, especially if you enjoy this game. Now, this is one of those I would recommend like playing it before you buy it because it is an investment. Um, obviously not everybody has a hundred bucks to throw at a game. Sure. Um, but yeah, if you enjoy, if you find you enjoy this game, second edition is a great, place to come in at um for a lot of reasons one it's great in the core box but there are a ton of fantastic expansions for it like all kinds of really good stuff right so i think value 100 i'd put it at a solid nine yeah easy easy um and what kind of fits into that is i mean we talk about the components like we said the minis are all great yeah um what i really like is the um if you're not a mini painter you don't have to paint this game yeah. uh the survivor minis are uh, yellow or orange, uh, and the zombie minis are a gray, so you tell pretty pretty easily the, yeah. the difference. 
the survivor minis also are in the same pose as they are on the mini on their card. Yeah, so, so they're pretty easy, easy to, to pick them. out and who they are. Um, yeah, and they're yeah. they're done really well. If you are a painter, um, it would definitely be like a challenge to get these to look really nice. Uh, challenge isn't the right word. Uh, there's a lot of detail in them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're gonna have to you know, take your time. Small brushes, stuff like that. Yeah, and I I think it's fantastic the. I think it's fantastic all the stuff that they have um, as far as like the individual miniatures, but as well as the art on the cards, um, the art on the game boards is really good. Yes. They are double sided tiles. So it gives you a lot of, a lot of flexibility. You can go off the pre-made stuff. You can make your own, like there's, there's a lot of really good stuff in the components. Um, the cards all feel good. Yes. Like they really, they're do. really good card stock. They are color coded based on where they go and what they do. Um, yeah, just all in all, I love the game tray or the player trays, um, how they are made out of full plastic. They have little slots, little backpack slots for you to put items in. Um, they have the hand slots where you can put whatever items you're holding. And of course, the actual player card sits right in the middle. So, yeah, all in all, I think the components are fantastic. Um, I really can't think of anything in the components that I can hit them on. The only thing on the player boards, the little sliders, they're the only things that seem to like fall off that and people get stuck like they can't seem to make them do what they want to do. And those are the sliders at the bottom where you're keeping track of your AP. Yeah. Um, but you do get extra sliders in the box just so. You, yeah. yeah, that's so it feels like they knew where their weak point was and there wasn't a whole lot of options to fix that. It's true. Like, it's very possible there just isn't anything they can do with that. Yeah. I, I feel like the components in this are just, this is this is what I want in components. This is my standard. Yeah. Like, yeah. to judge by. Uh, so, I mean, 9, 5, 10, I like these components um, where they are. Yeah. Uh, gameplay, we've talked about. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, especially if you're into kind of like the zombie horror thing or into a themed game. You like co-op games. Um, this is going to be right down your alley. Yeah. Right. Euro gamers, probably not so much. Um, things like that. Uh, if you're more Yeah, this is an Ameritrash game all day long. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's my wheelhouse, baby. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I've learned in my last two years of board gaming. I like the Ameritrash. <laughs> but yeah, I, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's it's just a good time. Yeah. Like, it's one of those, you slap it on the table, you play for an hour. It doesn't matter if, like, You've been drinking because it's not like a huge strategy game. Yeah, I mean, right. if you lose, you lose. It is what it is. You're 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 out there killing zombies. You're having a good time. You're breaking down doors. You're finding shit. Yeah. And with the expansion, um, which I know we're not really talking about, but like uh, Washington, Z.C., it turns it into a campaign. Yeah. So you're you're looking at progressing. So, I mean, that may make it a little that may make it a little bit more for the competitive types, kind of more in what they're looking for. Um, but yeah, for the base game and even, I mean, I, I mean, I'm going to get to go slaughter some zombies and we may yep. make it out alive and maybe I'll just be packing this up here in like 40 minutes. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I think the gameplay is great. I mean, it's an easy eight, five, nine all day long. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Replayability is like just in the box. The re there's 25 missions in the box that you can play. Uh, the game board is completely, you know, like I said, the tiles are two sided. There's a lots of different pieces that they can use different doors. Um, there's the two, there's the police car and the pimp mobile that you can put on the board and play yep. in certain scenarios and you can drive them around. Right. <laughs> and then you can go online and you can pull more scenario. They've 
published more scenarios to play yep. in second edition and they've let um some of the fan submitted stuff is even in there yeah so i mean there is no lack of good scenarios to run on this game yeah and they tell you too if you need any of the expansions for the scenarios um like especially the ones online they'll tell you what is needed for them mm-hmm. yeah so like just fantastic i think the replayability on this it goes above and beyond I mean, we've talked about this before, kind of how to how do you price a board game in relation to other things? I mean, you talk about a night of entertainment like at the movies or, you know, somewhere like that. It could easily cost you 40, 50 bucks. No problem. I mean, you'll get multiple nights of good, solid fun out of this. Yes, absolutely. With friends, because you you can't survive alone. Uh, I believe it's uh, it is set for is it one to six or two yeah because you can play multiple survivors um if you wanted to you could you could even like i mean i guess you play up to four survivors maybe or probably however many you could figure out how to run um i wouldn't play this as a single survivor because i don't think it works well that way yeah if you're playing by yourself at least run i would play maybe at least three yeah you're gonna characters you're gonna get you're gonna get zombie stomped yeah like real quick <laughs> um yeah but overall um i i Solid eight five nine for just an overall game. Yeah, um, I think so. And again, that's the kind of like again, I like the Ameritrash. Um, if you're not into that kind of a game, it's not going to be for you. Um, but a lot of the people that I know, like every now and then, just want to pull a game down with a group and have a good time. Yeah, have it nice and light. It doesn't. It's not that heavy. Um, and I mean, let's face it, the zombie genre has been popular for twenty years now. Yeah, and yeah. I don't see it going away anytime soon and apparently neither does come on since they just made a $600 game full of zombies and superheroes so uh, they were all about taking what we were watching in the theater and throwing it at us in a board game yeah yeah absolutely so there you go hey uh, this is like I said zombie side second edition is the one we're talking about but there is a flavor of zombie side out there for anyone Uh, go check out your local game stores go check out uh, some of them you got to go to Amazon to find um but especially the expansions especially the expansions <laughs> uh give it a try uh and i guess good luck and next up on the dapper meeple our crowdfunding roundup all right, so the few projects we got for you today. We have one pocket-sized dungeon crawl and a game by a new um, company that it looks to kind of capture uh, not only a board game, but also kind of the age of comics. So, uh, what? Nothing? Go ahead, sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, and then lastly, we got a project on some fantastic-looking dice uh, that also helps support your drinking habits. So let's get into the first one. <laughs> the Dark Tomb by Cause Games. Or I guess it's just Cause. Nah, Cause Games. I can't find it now. It's up down at the bottom of the video, what you've already played. Cause but. Games. There we are. Yeah. So The Dark Tomb by Cause Games. Um, I've seen a couple of these type of games popping up, and I did back one a couple of weeks ago, which was the Mini Meeple Melee. Yeah. Which it all fits in like a tin that looks like it's about the size of an Altoids can. Yeah. Uh, and the whole game is in there for you where the one that I backed was a um, kind of competitive type uh, combat game. 
this one seems to be more of a dungeon crawler uh, with separate heroes, uh, different powers, different enemies to fight. Yeah. And But again, all fits in your pocket. Yeah, I think um, kind of the Tiny Epic series kind of kicked this off. Um, where like big game, little little box, right? Yeah. Right. So that's kind of the feel that I get from this. Uh, this one looks fantastic, though. It's a uh, you can play as a single player, um, or you can go all the way up to four players. Uh, five, five play. Oh, I only saw four characters. Oh, that's right, because one plays as the monsters. All right. So this game looks fantastic. You can either play one to five players, uh, depending on your preference, uh, but. Everything fits inside this little tin, and it looks like a really cool little dungeon crawl. There's not a lot to the components here. It's just little wooden cubes, 1D20, and then all the little cards that you flip over for the actual dungeon build. Right. Uh, It says it's got a one-minute prep time and 15 to 40 minutes of play time. Yeah. So this looks like one of those fantastic little lunch games. You know, like on your hour lunch break or whatever, you break it out on the table. People walk by and go, what are you doing? And then you're able to tell them about this fantastic little game that you backed on Kickstarter. So um, let's talk about the pledge levels real quick. Um, Nice and easy, straightforward. You'll find no Kickstarter upgrades here, folks. Uh, 20 bucks gets you a copy of the game. Uh, just straight up, and then whatever shipping ends up being, which we all know that can be crazy at the end, but I would imagine probably a couple bucks for the size that this is. Uh, the tiers go out from there. You can get you two games, three games, five games, or ten games, depending on how many friends you have and if you would like to buy them games. That's right. U.S. shipping, it says six to nine bucks. Okay. Is it what they're estimating? That's not bad. So... Um, but this game looks really fun, so you should take a look at it, especially if you like dungeon crawl games. Uh, this looks like a nice little, like I said, lunchtime filler or maybe like a little opener. I mean, it says it can play up to 40 minutes, so I guess it depends on how far through the little adventure you play. That's right. Uh, learn to play as well as the Dice Tower. I have some videos up on it if you want to really take a look at it. Um, five, uh, they, some of the stretch goals that are on it is they, um, at 7,000, it unlocks a new monster. Um, I think that's the only stretch goal they have. <laughs> so, uh, like this is a pretty straightforward campaign. You're either going to love it or you're not. Uh, yep. but definitely go take a look at it. Yeah, it looks like right now it is already funded. Uh, they had a four thousand dollar goal. They're at um, almost sixty three hundred at time of recording. They still got thirty one days, so this literally just hit. Yes. So there's plenty of time for you to go take a look at it, check it out, see what you think. Um, I'm, I imagine they're going to hit that stretch goal. They'll probably put out a couple more. Um, but yeah, it looks like a fantastic, fun little game um, that is brought to you by Kickstarter again. So, All right, next up, we've got the Age of Comics, the Golden Years. Uh, this is a company coming out of Italy, it looks like. Yeah. Looks like it. <laughs> uh, did you read into this one? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. All right, uh, so this one is by Lirius Games. Uh, it is primarily a worker placement game, but the theme around it is the golden age of comics. You are a company that is trying to capture a market share in the comic book world during the golden age. Uh, like you're 
your Kirby or Lee or somebody trying to make it big with your next with the next big superhero. Yeah, like you're sending your editors out to do various tasks, hence the worker placement part, um, trying to hire new artists, trying to like get rights to certain IPs. Uh, there are multiple different kinds of comics you can make. It's not just superheroes. There's horror. There's romance. There's a couple other different kinds. Um, looks really cool. Uh, one one thing that when we were first looking at this, it reminds me a lot kind of of the networks, Mm -hmm. um, how like you're a network exec trying to get, you know, have the best network in this, you are trying to have the best comic book company. So I, I think it's fantastic. It looks great. The art style is very cool. It's very much in kind of like, it's the golden age of comics art style. I was going to say, yeah, 100%. They nailed it with that. Um, it looks like it's got a lot of, um, lot of interesting things i know one of the mechanics that stuck out to me was if you can't get um like the the comic that you want you can actually copy somebody for like part of the points right (laughs) which if any of you know like the history of comic books happened all the time yeah yeah that's why we have so many characters that are very similar but yet not in the same world um yeah so 100 i think this really captures the theme well uh, it is worker placement, so if that is not your jam, you're probably not going to like this. Um, but it does look like a very fun and interesting game. So the pledge levels, uh, standard edition, uh, comes in. starts in at about like 46 US. Uh, they are putting everything in euros, but there's the conversion in there. Uh, there is a collector's edition, which runs for about 65 bucks. Um, so you have additional comic cards. Uh, you've got an expansion that comes with it. Uh, specialization creative cards, box sleeve. Uh, so they really kind of fancy it up for the collector's edition. And that's the only, that's the two levels. Yeah. I Again, I'm starting to really love these like really straightforward Kickstarters. Right. Um, I will say that the standard edition does include a solo mode. So I like games that have solo modes. Solo board gaming has become quite big over the past few years, especially given the pandemic and things like that. So I think it's almost a must to have that in your game if it can support it. So I think it's really cool to see that as something that is not only, hopefully not tacked on at the end, but something that is thought out, you know, beforehand. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, they've unlocked uh, three of their stretch goals. The card quality upgrade, uh, well, two of their stretch goals, I'm sorry, card quality upgrade and the scoring pad. Uh, which is a 50-page pad for you to score. Uh, next up will be game board quality upgrades. Uh, and then there's some collector's edition exclusives that are coming out. So they do have some stretch goals to go uh, to work towards. And at the time of recording, they have 28 days. So this is still relatively new as well. Yep. And it's already done fantastic numbers. Um, 65, almost 66,000 of a $25,000 goal. So... Um, excellent. This game looks really cool. I think the theme is really fantastic. It's not one that I've seen before. Um, like I said, it kind of reminds me of the networks, but even then that was kind of a theme that like just non-existent. Yeah. So, um, definitely take a look at this one. I I think it looks really cool. The art style really appeals to me. Um, there are a lot of really cool reviews on it as well as you can actually go. They, they do have a copy up on tabletopia and tabletop simulator. If you want to go give it a shot and try it out. Nice. Nice. All right, let's move into this last one because this one was exciting. Um, I think this is just a fantastic idea. I'm kind of amazed that we haven't gotten here before. Um, <laughs> but let's talk about the dicey monsters. 
Yeah. So this is a combination between really fancy dice and whiskey rocks. I can't, like, it amazes me that we haven't put this together sooner because I can't tell you how many games I finished and just wanted to drink. Um, so this is really, this is such a really cool idea. The dice are uh, obsidian. They're laser etched. Uh, there's a couple of different designs. I think they're all, they all come in black. Yeah, uh, yeah obsidian. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, not that, not that weird green obsidian or anything. No. So they're all black. They're obsidian. Um, they're food safe. Uh, so you can freeze these and use these as whiskey rocks, which is popular for like whiskey drinkers because they don't want ice to melt and mix water in with their whiskey. Cool, whatever. But they're also dice, and yeah. uh, it's you're talking like you can get a full D twenty set for this. Yeah. So this company originally came out with I think just D twenties was their first Kickstarter, and they had so much success with that and so much um, request for the other dice that this Kickstarter is really for a full dice set. Now you can get individual die made like in the same style. You can get like D twenties or any of the others, you know, if you want some giant D fours to throw in your drink, I don't know. It's up to you. Um, or if you really want to flex at the Warhammer table and buy a bunch of the big D sixes, that feels, yeah, that feels, that feels appropriate. Yeah. You know, um, but they're fantastic looking first off. The art on them is great. Um, yeah, just all around, like, this looks like a really cool product. Um, they are larger than normal dice sets. Like, yeah, let's, yeah, let's only think that, like, the D20 is a 41 millimeter. That's like the level up dice table shakers or yeah, what, 46s? Yeah. So, I mean, the D20, they're all, they're a handful. Yeah, and if you look on the Kickstarter, it actually shows them uh, rolling one at a table, and you can see it sitting next to, like, a dice tray with regular dice in it, and you can see that they are definitely bigger so yeah uh, first off i want this just as a set of dice (laughs) like i have one of the the uh, table shakers from level of dice um that is all aluminum and yeah i I don't know what it is about big dice i don't know i like it uh but yeah i 100 percent want a full set of these even if i never use them as whiskey rocks i just i just want a big set so um let's talk pricing because that's a, a thing um so you can do a la carte and buy kind of what you want. Right. Uh, the first thing you can get, um, you can get a D20 for about 40 bucks, and then all their non-D20s are about like 22 a piece. Um, again, all these are larger than standard dice, and they're made of obsidian. If any of you have ever priced obsidian sets, they run between 80 and like 120 bucks, Easy. depending on where you get them from. Yep. So uh, these are big obsidian sets, so uh, it, it, it checks out. Um, so that's, you can do a la carte. You can buy as many or as few as you want. Um, again, if you want all D sixes, you can get all D sixes. It's really up to you. Now, if you want a full set, which a set, it comes in this one, it's a D four, D six, D eight, D 10, D 12, D 20, and the D 100. So technically two D 10s. Um, so yep. You can buy the whole set, uh, and you're looking at about 180 bucks, which is not bad for an obsidian set. Especially an oversized obsidian set. Like, there's so many things that I'm like, are you really? That's all you're charging us for these? Yeah, 100%. That's what I'm looking at this, too. Um, Now, I I don't know that it comes... It doesn't look like it comes with, like, a carrier holder, anything like that, that I can see. I'm sure it'll ship in some way to keep them from knocking about, you know, with each other. But still, 
180 bucks for a full obsidian set that you can also freeze and use in your drink because they're food safe. Right, yeah. right. Now, I know some of you people out there are going to be putting these in, like, Coke or something, but I mean, like... <laughs> hey, you do you, boo. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, but yeah, so these look fantastic. The etching on them is great. I really like the art style. They have three different kinds. They got, like, an Ice Dragon, a Lich King, and a Frost Giant. Yeah. Like, the art styles just look really cool. All in all, um, yeah, I think I think they're fantastic. It does list the measurements and stuff on... Um, on the Kickstarter page, so you can kind of get an idea. When you look at the videos, my first thought was, "Man, those are really tiny glasses." Uh, but you know, <laughs> the dice are actually—they're actually big. They're just bigger dice. Yeah, yeah, yeah just yeah, bigger yeah. dice. Um, yeah. But yeah, it goes through exactly what they are made out of, how they're made, how they do the laser engraving, um, all that good stuff. So, yeah. By all means, this is fantastic. Um, if you do decide you want more than one set, they do give you discounts. That's right. Two sets is like, uh, looks like about like 300, 310. Because uh, the pricing is all in uh, pounds. Yeah. So, so we're doing the conversion in our head. Yeah. Uh, they say 10% off for a two piece, for a two set set. Um, and then if you buy three sets, you get 15% off your second and third sets. Uh, so if you have friends who would love these and you have extra money lying around, maybe for, you know, Oh, these would be such a great gift. If you have a gamer, like whiskey connoisseur in your family yep. or, you know, something, th- these would be like fantastic. Yeah. So they are saying fulfillment is in February. So going to be a little late for Christmas gifts. Uh, but who doesn't like a early of the year spring gift? Here's a fancy dice set, you know? Or you can do what some people do and, like, print out a picture of the Kickstarter and, like, give that to them in a giant box for Christmas. <laughs> there you go. This will be here in February. Yeah, yeah. Just re- <laughs> remind me that you're getting this. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, no, it, it's a fantastic-looking Kickstarter. Take a look at it. Uh, this is probably one that I will be backing because I want. I love fancy dice. I'm not a dice goblin. Whatever. Um, I can stop whatever I want. <laughs> yeah. It's not an addiction. I do it when I want. Um, but... Yeah, these look great. Take a look at them. I love the multi-use purpose. I don't know that I would ever use them as whiskey rocks. I just really want an oversized obsidian set that has really cool etchings on it. But I like having the option. Right, right. Yeah. Like it being out there. And with that, uh, it's the zombies go. So for the first spawn, uh, it's eight walkers and they rush. Um, On the second spawn, seven runners and they also rush. And then the third card, the Abomination activates, and it looks like the zombies are all in one big horde. Oh, oh, throw the Molotov cocktail. For the Dapper Meeple, I'm Josh. And I'm Jim. Good night, everyone. Thanks, everyone, for sticking around and listening to our show. If you enjoyed it, let me ask you a favor. Follow us and leave us a like wherever you get your podcast. It really helps us out. And if you have anything to say back to us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for The Dapper Meeple. On Twitter, our handle is at The Dapper Meeple, or email us at dappermeeplegaming at gmail.com. And as always, we'll save you a seat at the table.